Welcome to the Life Church Utah podcast. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. You can always give to Life Church by texting the word LCGIVE to 43506. Thank you, and now a message from one of our pastors. Now, uh, I have to share with you just a little story before we get into today's message. And um, if you brought your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up, open up to the book of Galatians. It's in the New Testament. And uh, this is one of the, the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, the church of Galatia. And uh, we're going to be kind of going through that this morning. And uh, so if you can, just go ahead and get ready for that. But um, I was really blessed. Um, it was probably Saturday night last week um, where my wife coaxed me into uh, our bedroom and said, hey, I got a surprise for you. And I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah. She goes, I've been talking to, and I was like, oh, you've been talking, never mind. Um, she goes, I've been talking to uh, Spencer and, and Jeff both, and Jeff's right here, and uh, they had an extra ticket to an NFL game uh, in Oakland, and she said, um, I want to send you to that game. And I said, well, now's not a good time. We just replaced an air conditioner. And she's like, yeah, but, um, you know, when are you going to ever have an opportunity like this again? And so she had all the details taken care of for me. So after church last Sunday, I got on the road. I drove to Oakland, and I attended the Raiders-Broncos game. And, and I'm sorry, if you're new here, I love football. I talk about it a lot. I'm sorry. I apologize if you don't like it. I just do. I grew up as a Broncos fan in Colorado, and so I'm very passionate about my Broncos, and I had a chance to see them. This would be the only second time in my life. And so uh, we get there, and, and of course I'm excited. So I make a little friendly bet with Mr. Ed Guardo over here on the base. And I said, okay, I think the Broncos are going to win. If they win, you're going to have to wear a Bronco hat on stage as you play the bass. And he said, okay. And I said, so what do you want to do for me? And he goes, well, if, if, if the Raiders win, I want you to put a Raiders logo in your keynote the entire service. And so, um, of course, the Broncos lost. And so you're going to see a logo in the bottom right-hand corner of my keynote. Just know it's just as hard for me as it is for you. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Yeah, we're, we're talking about grace this morning, so you're going to have to have grace for me. But we started a series last week called Grace Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And um, really what I wanted to deal with last week is is how we in our own humanity have a hard time receiving grace from God. Because we live in such a world that um, defines grace different ways, defines justice different ways, and it's very easy for us to get stuck, especially uh, as Christians growing up maybe in the church, maybe you've never even been to a church, but uh, you know, you've heard about Christians on the news and you see different things happening and, and, and there's really a lot of um, 
Christians out there, they're not very many, there are a few, but they put a really bad taste in the in people's mouths by the way they act and the things that they say. And so uh, grace really kind of gets this, this weird perspective in our own minds. And if you're someone like me who, uh, you know, never feels like I'm good enough anyway, grace is a very hard thing to comprehend when it comes to the gospel. So this morning, we're going to do a little bit of a recap from last week, and then I'm going to get into uh, some more grace-type things. And, and, and I hope it doesn't sound like a repeat, but, you know, God just kind of kept me on this subject for a reason, and so uh, uh, I hope that um, it speaks to your spirit this morning. But if you have your notes, go ahead and, and pull those out. This p- first part was on the notes last week, but... Grace is, first of all, it's unconditional love toward a person who does not deserve it. Grace is, everybody say the word unconditional. Unconditional, no strings attached, no document written up and signed. It's unconditional. Unconditional, the word means this. Believe it or not, without condition. Who would have thunk, right? How many times do we put conditions on things that we have no business putting conditions on? I can remember saying, you know, God, I'll serve you with my whole heart if you just answer this one prayer for me. If you just show me a sign right now, I'll serve you with my whole heart. I'll get my life right. I'll get everything right. We put all these conditions out towards to God of, you know, I'll serve in kids, Lord, when you deliver me from my fear of kids or, you know, whatever it is. We put conditions on things. God, God's condition when it comes to grace, there's no condition. Grace is something that can't be earned. It's something that's given away. It's a gift. I think my problem... I'm going to have to be vulnerable a couple times during the message this morning, but I think my problem with grace is I've never fully been a good person at receiving gifts. Like even as I, I was sharing with what, what my wife did, it was an extremely cool gift, and, and uh, I'm so honored and blown away by that, how she worked all of that together. I still had a very hard time taking that. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't deserve this gift. You guys deserve this gift. My family deserves it far more than I do. At Christmas time, it's always, you know, I always struggled with Christmas growing up because, you know, we grew up so so poor. And, uh, you know, my parents would always try to make Christmas special for us. And I always felt so bad. You know, when your mom, um, as you're growing up as a little kid, and, and she... Uh, she knows that there's not enough food for everyone. She was the one that would go without. And so seeing that made it extremely hard for me to receive gifts. And I think some of us are in that boat this morning. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're the other way where you love gifts. You're like, yeah, that energizes me. Give me, give me, give me. And if that's you, then cool. You've got all this great, you've got grace handled. You know, God's given you grace if you have a relationship with him, so you're good to go. But for me, it's always been a hard thing. 
But again, grace is something that can't be earned. It's something that is given. Now, the best analogy that I can have for you this morning is my own experiences with our, our country's judicial system. Man, I got really quiet in here. I'm going to drop some truth bombs on you this morning about your pastor. You're going to judge me. But I have had run-ins with our judicial system. It's about to get real in here. Do you feel that? It's just really tense now. Everybody's like, what, what are you talking about? In high school, last day of freshman year, I decided that I wanted to celebrate a little. Because my freshman year sucked, okay? It's terrible. I hated it. I hated school. And I, I wanted to celebrate a little bit. So I, did, I brought um, a little way for me to celebrate uh, on the way home from school. And I was in year-round school, so I didn't actually get out of school until like August. And so I had some leftover fireworks from the 4th of July. So my plan was, as I'm walking home from school, you know, I can light off some fireworks, I can throw some snap pops, it'll be really cool. And so I had them with me in my backpack, and, and of course, being um, incredibly intelligent, I was showing people in my art class, like, look, hey, look what I got. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So I went up, I got up, I went to go use the restroom, and when I came back, uh, some kids had gotten into my bag, gotten out the snap pops, started throwing around the classroom, and it was chaos. Well, I was in the bathroom, so I came back, and I was not involved. Well, those kids got in trouble, and they got called up to the office. And they proceeded to tell the principal that I was the one that brought the contraband into the school, and I was the one that was handing it out, which was not true. I did bring it, but I, I didn't hand it out. They just got in my bag and took it. So then, uh, it's getting close to the end of the day. I get called into the principal's office, and I go in, and I'm thinking, this is really weird. I've never been called into the principal's office. Maybe I won an award or something. Because <laughs> I'm that, that cool of a guy. So I go in, and there's a police officer sitting there. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going to be good. So I sit down, and the principal began to tell me that the policy in the school district in, in Colorado states that any fire works are classified as explosions or explosive devices. So it was the very equivalent of me bringing a bomb to school by these snap pops going off in class. Yeah, I started crying. <laughs> Ugly crying like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. They called my mom. My mom was a lunch lady at the elementary school, so she came over in her lunch lady garb, and she was just, I mean, smoke coming from her ears. She was so mad at me, and she came in, and, and uh, they, they read me the right act. Uh, the police officer said, we're going to get you in a scared straight program because you're going down the wrong path. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, what did I do here? So we leave the school, and my mom finally gets to hear my side of the story, and she was just like, wow, that is the biggest overreaction in the world. Thank God I have an understanding mother. Amen? Amen. But I had to face court, and I had to face all these 
these things. I was going to have to go to the Scared Straight program. I was going to have a bajillion um, hours of community service. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was crazy. And, and I can remember uh, walking into the court, and I was going to meet with the uh, DA. Yeah. <laughs> I went all the way to the district attorney, y'all. <laughs> Sat down with the district attorney and shared my story. And then after I was done, he, he was listening very, very well. And then he started laughing. <laughs> I didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I didn't know how sick he was. Maybe he was a really sick guy. And he's like, ah, we got you. We got the, the bomber right here. And he said, you know what? Um, I can clearly see from your personality this was a very innocent mistake. And so I tell you what, you pay a fine today and you don't have to do any of that stuff that they were saying that you're going to have to do. Of course, they're going to get my money. So that, that either way, I was going to have to pay some sort of fine. So I was able to pay the money and I was given grace in that moment. And a lot of people could argue and say, well, you deserved it. How many think I deserved grace? Three people? Four? <laughs> you can look at it and say, well, he was innocent. You know, he was honest mistake. But I still brought the contraband into the school. And, um, you know, I, I basically didn't have to do anything because of that. So I look at that and I say, man, that, that's one time where, where I was shown grace. But then there's another time where... I was driving uh, one of my vehicles, and I was meeting up with my wife, and I got pulled over. And the police officer pulled me over. He said, I pulled you over. You, know, you realize how fast you were going? I said, yeah, I was going to the speed limit, officer. And he said, no, I clocked you at 15 over. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, officer. I was not going 15 over. I looked at my speedometer right when I saw you because it's a habit. You know, you see a cop, Ooh, just make sure. And he goes, no, I clocked you. And I said, are you sure you didn't clock another car going the other way and it was an accident? So he's, then he's mad at me, so he writes me a ticket. And I said, okay, well, I'll see you in court then because I'm innocent. I'm totally innocent. I know I am. Have I gotten speeding tickets in the past? Oh. <laughs> yes, I have. Oh, yeah, as my wife would say. Have I been guilty of it? <laughs> and have I walked in that, have I owned up to that guilt? Yes, I have. But this time I was not guilty. So I uh, had it on my calendar. I was going to go to court and fight this ticket. Well, I, I go to get ready and I look at the uh, ticket, just to get the court date one last time. And that actually was the day before. And I thought, oh my goodness. I thought, what did I do? I can't believe I messed the state up. You know, it was an honest mistake. So I drive down to the courthouse. I said, this is what happened. I'm supposed to, I was supposed to go to court yesterday. I totally missed it. What do I need to do? And they said, well, we can get you in tomorrow to, to do another court date. I said, okay, good. And um, then they said, well, I said, is there like a, warrant out for my arrest or anything because I, I don't want that to happen 
And she's like, uh, I don't think so. They <laughs> said, okay, because uh, I'm a pastor, and that, that would look really bad, but whatever, I'll trust you. <laughs> so I go in the next day, and, and I stand before the judge, and the judge is like, well, it looks like you have a warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> I thought, in my head, I'm thinking, what am I going to tell my wife? Like, honey, I'm in jail <laughs> for failure to show up at court. But anyway, the judge says, well, how do you plead? I said, not guilty. And um, essentially, I got let off for the ticket, which was good. It was justice. However, I missed court. And I had to pay a big fine because I missed court. And so we develop our view of grace and mercy and justice through the lenses of our own experiences, don't we? And the, 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 the thing about that, I guess, that, that, that's wrong is, you know, we are the measuring stick. We measure grace according to us. Well, I've done some bad things, but I haven't done what they've done. I might have, I might have done this, but I, at least I didn't do that. And so we develop this perception that, uh, that when it comes to ju- grace and justice, right and wrong, what's acceptable, what's not, we are the measuring stick. So how good do you have to be in order to receive God's grace? Let me ask you that question. How good do you have to be to receive God's grace? Now, mentally, you're saying in your head, we've, we've been talking about this, we don't have to be anything. We can receive God's grace simply by receiving it. That's what you're saying in your head. However, are you living that way when it comes to the gospel? Do you receive God's grace on an ongoing basis for your flaws and faults and issues? Or is it one of those things that I know this is what the word says. I know this is what grace means, unconditional. Yet I can't seem to quite get over my own conditions that I put on myself. And I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you this morning because this is, this is not just an issue with me. I know that. It's an issue with all of us. And, and it comes, it's funneled through our own sin nature. And some of us, even though we know that grace is a gift from God, that, that grace is what happens when, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it's the grace that, that covers our, our sins because we don't deserve the justice from God. We are given it by Jesus Christ. We know that, yet we still funnel it through the lens of our own perceptions. And here in Utah, many people have grown up with the doctrine that the better you are or the more good deeds that you do, the more saved you are. Which is contrary to what grace is. And I want to just say this. There is no amount of good deeds you can do that will make you just before God. There's not. You could, you could give a million dollars to the Boys and Girls Club. You could serve at the soup kitchen. You could um, uh, buy a van for the church. You could, you know, uh, post um, Instagram photos of you doing Bible de- devotions every single day with your coffee. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? But there's nothing you can do 
to receive justice from God. Nothing. The only thing that can be done is by receiving Christ's sacrifice for you on the cross. Galatians chapter 2, and if you have your Bibles, you can open up to chapter 2. And we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit, but um, if you have time, I would encourage you to read uh, the book of Galatians. It's not very long, um, but it really deals with the whole grace and righteousness issue that that I think so many of us struggle with. But Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, it, it says this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. I want, you, I want you to notice this. Knowing that a man, meaning Paul is saying, you should already know this, that you can't be justified by works. And it says, works of the law, but by faith in who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That is what justifies you before God. Faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. There is nothing you can do. Sorry, there is no amount of good deeds you can do that will make you just before God. Let's jump down to verse 21. It says this, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Meaning if it's possible for you to do everything right in your life and still and stand before God and be justified, then there's no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. If this is something that can be obtainable by you or by anybody in this world, just one person outside of Christ, then we don't need Jesus. So Paul's reminding him, look, it's about Jesus dying on the cross for you that, that covers you. What I love about the book of Galatians, which, by the way, is a letter from the Apostle Paul, and it's being addressed to the Galatian church, who was also being influenced at the time by, by Judaism. So, so what had happened was um, the disciples go out, they start preaching the gospel, believers start popping up all over the place in different communities, different cities, and, and, and they begin forming um, the, what we call the early church. And so then people start going into the early church, and they've got all this um, foundational stuff that they've learned according to the law, and they start saying, well, um, we have Jesus, cool, but we also need to do this, this, and this, and this, because that's what we used to have to do, and it's got to probably still be important, so we have to do that, and, and oh, cool, we've got Gentiles now. Now you have to do it as well. It was like an extra step of purification and justification in order to be acceptable by God. And so Paul's writing them and saying, look, no, it's, it's, it's about grace. It's about grace. 
there are no strings attached. All that, all the, all the rituals, all the law that, 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 that we've been trying to do to make ourselves pleasing to God, no, that doesn't matter. You put your faith in Jesus, that's what makes you acceptable before God. One of the things that um, the believers were saying, or some of the believers and Pharisees were saying to the early church was that they were talking about circumcision. See, circumcision is an Old Testament law that was given to the Israelites to make them set apart for God's glory. And so that was a very important thing for them that had become a very um, uh, important thing to do if you wanted to be set aside for God. And so they went to the, uh, some of the Gentiles and, and new believers and said, okay, are you circumcised? Nope. Well, we got to do that first so you can be acceptable to God. And so Paul even dis- disputes this. In, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through What's that last word? Love. Faith working through love. He's saying, look, there's nothing you can do to your body or there's nothing you can wear that's going to make you set apart. Don't get me wrong. I love Christian t-shirts. That don't make you a Christian. I love cross necklaces. They're cool. That doesn't make me saved. What matters is my faith working through a spirit of love. So this morning, I want to give you some keys to walking in God's faith. Last week, it was keys to receiving God's grace. This week, it's keys to walking in God's grace. The first thing this morning is through forgiveness. Through forgiveness. We walk in God's grace through forgiveness. Now that's forgiveness for yourself because some of us just can't seem to forgive ourselves. You know, stop blaming yourself for everything. Forgive yourself. But also forgiving the people around us. You wonder why, uh, you know, life sometimes just feels like it's just chaos and it seems like everybody's against you. It's because you haven't forgiven the people that are against you. Once you forgive them, it's, it's not your problem anymore. It's theirs. And the Apostle Paul reminds us it's in, in this. He says, He who began a good work in you will bring into completion on the day of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back, he has already begun a good work in you, and that's going to be completed when Jesus returns. Trust God's grace by receiving forgiveness. Forgive yourself. See yourself as God's dear child who he's remodeling daily. I'm a construction site, people. Okay? I'm constantly getting new additions put on and old additions torn out and that's just God's grace working on me. But see yourself as a dear child of God. Let grace overpower your past and create in you a clean conscience. The second thing is love others. 
The graciousness of God empowers us to love boldly and live robustly. Start loving others and start grasping the heart of God. Last week, we talked about a special kind of people, and we call them EGRs. Does anybody remember it from last week? Extra grace required. We all know somebody that needs extra grace, right? My wife's looking at me. She's like, she's giving me that smile like, honey, that's you. Honey, that's, you're an EGR. We've got people that we interact with every single day that need extra grace. And what is grace again? It's unconditional love for somebody. It doesn't have condition. Well, I can love and accept that person once they stop being an idiot. Well, they may never stop being an idiot. You're still called to love them. Sometimes you've got to have extra grace for people. The third thing is give grace away. Give it away. Give it to people that don't deserve it. Last night it was so funny. I've got three kids, and uh, they yesterday they, they were playing so good all day, all of them together. Uh, but for whatever reason, we get towards bedtime, and it was like World War Five or Seven or I don't know how many World Wars we've had, but my two boys were just you know, they were going blows, and they were angry, and they were fighting, and um, one of my kids used a, a no-no word on the other kid. I won't, re- I won't repeat it. It wasn't like, it was for kids, it was bad, you know. It wasn't like crazy, um, but I was like, get up here, and so he walks in, and, and I said, you've been told not to say this word. He said, I forgot. I said, well, you're going to get a spank. And he goes, Dad, please, I forgot. And I said, okay, never say that word again. Okay. Grace. I gave it away. I didn't want to, <laughs> but I did. I didn't want to because I know he's going to say it again down the road. But I gave it away. Why do we give grace away? Because God has forgiven us. We can forgive others. Because he has, give, he has a forgiving heart, we can have a forgiving heart. Extend the gift of grace to others. And remember that God's powerful grace is made perfect in our weakness. Some people require extra grace. And the last thing, remember it's God's idea. Grace is God's idea. He loves us. He loved you. And he chose to send his son to die on a cross for his creation that didn't deserve it. And he gave us that grace so that we could be united with our God, with our Father. I'd like to invite Sam to come up as we get ready to close. Max Lacedo says this, To discover grace is to discover God's utter devotion to you. His stubborn resolve to give you a cleansing, healing, purging love that lifts the wounded back to their feet. Do you stand with me?
know, church is filled with imperfect people, right? And even within our smaller congregation here, there's people within us that need extra grace. There's people that maybe have rubbed us the wrong way in this place. And instead of having grace, we've just had attitude. God can't honor that. We need grace from him, so we need to give grace to the people around us. To discover grace is to discover God's utter devotion to you. What does that mean for your devotion to him? Hopefully it means that you're willing to forgive when it's not deserved. You're willing to give grace when it's not deserved. You're willing to keep short accounts with God himself. Hopefully it's all those things. Grace is meant to empower you to live boldly for God. Not to live perfect, to live boldly. Because we're still going to screw it up somehow. That's where grace comes in. That's where grace wins in our lives, right? It's not permission to sin. It's the ability to overcome sin. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? If you have unforgiveness in your life, in your heart, towards somebody that's hurt you, you know exactly who I'm talking about. As soon as I said, they don't deserve it, you said, that's so-and-so. And you're really struggling because that sense of justice in you is like, I just can't. Well, I'm here to challenge you this morning that not only can you, but there's a freedom that comes along with letting that unforgiveness go, forgiving that person. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise a hand. You need to forgive. Lots of hands. Put your hands down. Second, in, in this place, if you struggle with receiving grace, like I do, I'll, I'll admit that to you, I, I struggle rece receiving God's grace. If that's you, I want to pray for you too. Raise your hand. You struggle with it. Might have been the way you grew up. Might have been your foundation. Awesome. Put your hands down. If you raised your hand for any of those things, would you join me up front? I don't do this very often. I'm not trying to embarrass you. with the person next to you or put a hand on their shoulder you can't reach you say why, why are you making us do this because there's power in the unity of believers 
And right now, we're going to break down a few walls in our own hearts and lives. Is that okay? So Jesus, right now, we come together as, as a body of believers, as a church. God, for our friends that, that are struggling right now with unforgiveness, maybe they've never seen it as an issue. Maybe it's something that, um, that, that they've been holding on to. It's a way to protect themselves from being hurt again. Father, I pray right now that you would break the chains over their lives. God, that, that whatever has happened to, to cause this, Lord, that it would be something that this morning they could surrender to you. Lord, that their sense of justice would be found in you, not on what should happen through their own perception. Secondly, for those up here this morning right now that have struggled with receiving the God, God's grace in their lives, They've, they don't feel good enough at times. They, they feel like uh, it's just a constant struggle, a constant grind. There are times where they feel so distant from you, and they equate that to uh, just their own personal struggles. God, I break that in Jesus' name. That's a lie from Satan. I break it and I bind it, and I pray for freedom right now to be a part of their lives in Jesus' name mighty name. Amen. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.